Hi, and welcome to the Deeper Than Money podcast. I am your host, Chloe Elise. I'm a millennial money coach, speaker, dog mom, and a seven on the Enneagram. And I am on a mission to prove to you that finances can be fun and easy. On the Deeper Than Money podcast, we will dive into all things millennial finance, debt, saving, mindset, and how to have financial freedom to enjoy life in your 20s and 30s. I want you to leave this podcast with more confidence around your moolah and the belief that your biggest financial dreams are possible for you. So let's talk money. Our next guest on the Deeper Than Money podcast is Dave Hensley, the co-founder and partner for the beloved dog bar Barquet in Kansas City and we are thrilled to have him on the podcast today. Dave is a small business owner, founder of Memory Preservation Coalition, and was a longtime volunteer for Community Link, helping inner city mothers to build a better future. Dave lives in Kansas City and enjoys spending time with his little brother through big brothers, as well as his pup, Bishop. Dave co-founded Barkay after getting his dog and realizing how few places there are to take your dog while still socializing and having fun. On this episode, you will hear Dave talk all things small business, going after a big dream, as well as the financial side of starting and growing a business. You are going to love this episode of the Deeper Than Money podcast. And without further ado, here's Dave. All right. I am so excited to dive right in and talk with Dave, the co-founder and partner of Bar K. So if you do not know what Bar K is, you must not be from the Kansas City area because it is the biggest dog bar. They have outside areas. They have inside restaurant for that dogs love it, humans love it. They host live events such as music, yoga, trivia, and so much more. I've been a member, Shay and I have been a member of Barquet for like a year and a half for as long as we've lived in Kansas City. Our dogs are in heaven every single time we go. So I'm so excited to talk with Dave about making Barquet and everything, the business side of it, following your, you know, your big dream and, and everything else. So Dave, you've created such an amazing place for dogs, but also dog owners to congregate in Kansas City. Where did you come up with this idea to create a dog bar and place that is so much different than just your average dog park? Yeah, well, I think it is not that uncommon. But by the way, thank you for having me on here. Of course. I love talking dogs. And uh, <laughs> this is just an extension of when I run into you guys in the park, right? So, exactly. Except, except now we have a recording. So uh, no, it, it really came from an organic place. And I think we're not the first ones by far to have this idea. And I can't tell you how many people that have come up to me and said, oh, my God, you, you stole our idea. You know, they say it in jest. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we got our dogs, both my business partner and I, uh, Labe Dodell. We got our dogs about the same time and we had a big group of friends and we would all go out and do fun things together. And then when we got our dogs, we'd start trying to incorporate our dogs and, and frankly, annoying some of our friends. They're probably laughing if they're listening to this right now. Because you go out to a, a patio and all of a sudden now you've got two puppies like pulling on leashes and making noise and a bunch of people stopping at the table and interrupting conversation. Uh, so it wasn't a great experience for our friends. And certainly the dogs weren't loving that 
yeah. you know, having the dogs, uh, you know, tug on the leash at the table. And so, you know, you start discovering dog parks and going to those and uh, dog parks are great, but at times they could be hit or miss depending on, mm-hmm. you know, who's uh, bringing their dogs there and, uh, you know, just the, the people that are there at the time and how well behaved the dogs are. And, and most importantly, you know, I, we met a lot of great people at the dog park. Where we kind of stand around with, you know, our hands in our pockets and uh, it's kind of like, yes. I need a beer in this hand. Uh, so they really, that's kind of where it came from, where one of us um, sitting outside on a patio, we just said, boy, we need to combine a dog park and a bar. And uh, then one of us said we caught Bar K and then it, it almost made it a reality at that point. And I felt like we both felt like we had to do it. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. And and the whole Bar K thing just destroys me. It just absolutely destroys me. There will never be a better name for a dog bar than Bar K. So after you came up with this idea for Bar K and coming up with this vision, what were the next steps from being there, having your dogs, being like, bro, like we need this, we need a Bar K what, what were the next steps in getting that in, in motion, getting city approval, building design, funding, all that stuff? Yeah, I think a lot of people, they envision that the idea happens and then the next day you just go and you start executing that. And one thing I think is important for anybody to understand is that, uh, you know, really to get something moving, you've got to go all in. Uh, you know, and really take the leap. And it took us a while to do that because we both had perfectly good careers, uh, you know, doing doing well at the time and, and living great lives. And it, it took us a while to really decide, hey, we want to jump all in. And, and we both left our jobs, which is what we realized it was going to require uh, and haven't gone back since. But once we decided to do that, so it probably took about five or six years of just us talking about it over beers until we finally got serious about it. And at, at that point, we, we both jumped in. Uh, you know, when you do that, then you start to work backwards from your end goal. And our end goal was to create this, you know, incredible place that you could bring your dog and, and have drinks and food. And we start working backwards from there and you find out, well, hey, you know, can we have dogs around where, where food, where people are being served food? And you find there's some you know, challenges there. Uh, There's challenges as far as how do you create an environment that, you know, is, is well managed and and considered a safe place um, for the dogs. How do you manage the access? uh, You know, the flow at Bar K is a really important element that I think people take for granted. But if you look at when you come in the facility, uh, unlike a regular dog park, it's got an entrance and an exit and they're two separate areas. And that way, if your dog's coming in and has a lot of energy, well, that doesn't necessarily match a dog who's been playing for two hours and you yeah. know, they, they need a separate area that they can get out. And if you're ready to go, you're ready to go. Right. Uh, so it's really working backwards from there and uh, finding out the partners. When, when you start doing this, there's no playbook that says, all right, you know, let me pull off the shelf, the dog park bar, yeah so so maybe you need to make one maybe that's (laughs) well we're making it right now but yeah to do that uh it takes a lot of work a lot of meetings um and then and probably most importantly it's figuring out what you don't know and going out and getting the answers to that and finding Mm -hmm. professionals so you know to find an architect and civil engineer and 
to partner with the health department and with animal control and all those pieces, because, you know, we were not restaurateurs. We were not, you know, animal, you know, we didn't run a dog facility of any kind. Um, Mm -hmm. So we, we had a big gap of knowledge that we needed to fill. Wow. That is amazing. And, and I think it's so cool to hear the messy action that it kind of took in the beginning, because I think it's so easy for people to look at you and Barquet where it's at and all of its glory right now and say like, oh, well, it, you know, it's easy for him. They, you know, they knew that they got that. And it's so cool to hear the, the messy action that went into, to creating this like incredible every single time, every single time I post Barquet on my Instagram, I have replies from people saying, oh my, where are you? That is so cool. It's so epic. So oh, just obsessed with it. So now tell me in this journey, whether from the start or, you know, middle, whenever, especially as you said, you were leaving your jobs. Were there people who doubted you or doubted this idea? And if so, how did you overcome that? Uh, Certainly we had tons of doubters in the beginning. Everybody loved to talk about it and would compliment and say, oh, that's a fun idea. But when you really got down to digging in with people, I think some people thought we were crazy and I don't know that they were wrong. I think it takes a little mm-hmm. bit of crazy to do this. And, and you know, we certainly went out on a limb. Uh, there's a lot of things that we personally believed based upon our own education and the information that's out there about animal behavior, uh, about dog parks and the human and dog bond that's out there that we based a lot of what we built this business on. But frankly, a little bit of it was all right, let's, we really hope that what we believe and what we're reading is, is really true. And fortunately it, it's turned out that, you know, we were right on a lot of those things, but um, there were a lot of people, I think in the beginning that, that had some questions and that sounds like a great idea, but I don't think this is going to work or, you know, people aren't going to want to eat their food, you know, next to the dog park. And, you know, how are you going to handle like cleanup of stuff out in the park and all, all of these different elements uh, ultimately, what we believed was that this bond that you have with your dogs is incredibly strong and it has so much power. And we've, we've only, I think, tapped into the potential of, of what we can do with this dog-human bond and as it relates to Barkay and our business. Uh, fortunately, we were able to find some people who had that same belief early on. And, you know, that's really all you need. You don't have to have the whole world believe in you, but to have mm-hmm. some people that uh, truly see your vision and are there to back you up and, and still help you out um, to this day, uh, it's incredibly important for a startup. Totally. Wow, that's amazing. Um, and the the exciting news that we've kind of heard through the grapevine is that Barkay is is expanding and, and has visions to to expand. So what can you tell me about you know, those plans and and how, you know, are you, are you super involved in that? Are you managing the current Barquet? Are you kind of having your hand in a ton of different pots? Like, where are you at with that? Uh, Yeah, we're, you know, the whole executive team is heavily involved with expansion. It's an incredibly important part of what we do, um, as well as making sure that we're continuing to improve on the experience here in Kansas City. So there's a balancing act uh, so we spend a, a lot of hours each week sort of focusing on on both. But yeah, we're in depth on the plans to the point where we're seeing where different items are placed in the kitchen. You know, what direction do the gates go? And uh, the, the difficulty, I think, when you expand is 
sometimes you forget about the work that was put in the beginning and <laughs> all of the tough meetings, you know, and battling it out about, all right, which way does, you know, where do we put this thing or that thing? Uh, but that's the same type of commitment that you've got to put into expansion to make sure that the experience for folks in St. Louis and Oklahoma City, which are our next two markets, um, is going to be uh, as great as the experience for people here in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That is so great. And I'm so excited for everyone in, in St. Louis and Oklahoma City who are probably listening to this and having a, a little dance party. Well, yeah, um, going to get, you know, it's what's interesting is they're going to get some you know, some of the things that we've learned here in version, you know, Mm 2.0, a lot of the learnings from this particular location and two years in business here, uh, they'll also have some things that they won't get. Like we have an incredible property thanks to partnership and working with the Port Authority. They gave us, uh, you know, a great deal on the land down here, you know, to be right by the river and by this Mm -hmm. bridge. And I think there's a lot of things that we'll miss at the other locations, but they'll have really cool things as well. Yeah. That's awesome. So speaking of, you know, some of the the obstacles that you have to overcome as the founder of, you know, the co-founder of this business, what are some of the toughest toughest obstacles that you've had to overcome since opening? Uh, you know, I big a big part of it was just a a knowledge gap, I think on mm-hmm. running restaurants and we got a lot of advice and had a lot of people come in and, and sort of advise us. And, but what we were creating here was not something that existed for anyone else. And so you, what the rules that work for one restaurant don't necessarily work for, for bar K. I mean, some rules are, are universal, but we had a lot of things that were unique here and there was no other way for us to learn those than to, to operate. But those make some really challenging lessons mm-hmm. uh, in, in tough times. Uh, to, to figure those things out. Obviously, COVID was a huge challenge for everybody. Mm-hmm. We had to shut down for a couple months, but it didn't shut down our, you know, our need to continue to move future markets forward and to improve things mm-hmm. here. So we didn't stop working, but, you know, to ha- not have any revenue for a couple months is difficult for any business. Now we're fortunate that we've got giant outdoor space. So when it came time to open back up, I think that people felt comfortable coming to bar K or maybe some other places they, they didn't just because we've got two acres that you can spread out. And, and uh, I think a lot of places they're trying to figure out ways that they can expand their outdoor presence. And, and we didn't have to do that. Our, the mm-hmm. outdoors is part of the experience here. Exactly. As a, I can tell as a, you, as a customer, it's, it's so, um, you know, it's one of those spaces, especially right now that's so limited. It's one of those spaces that you can go to and not be constantly worried about, oh my gosh, am I, you know, am I too close to someone? Even when there is quite a bit of people, there's, it's so easy to be completely distanced from other people and feel so comfortable with that. So that was, we were, we were very sad when it, um, you know, when it closed, but the, the opening of it was such a, a great and, you know, I confident one, you know, it wasn't like, Oh, I'm so nervous to go back. It was, it was really awesome. So, um, and and it's great to hear that you were able to pivot and bounce back so quickly as a business. That's incredible. Um, so I, I learned this recently, you have a CFO, which is amazing on your team. How involved are you at, with the, you know, financial planning of of future of Barca? I really want to hear about, 
even when you're not the person, right? Like I feel like day one of the company, you wear every hat, right? Like you're the CFO, you're the CEO, you are like every in every single role. But as you grow and expand, other people can take those roles on. But what are some of the ways where, it, you know, I'm sure it's been great to pass off things, but what are some of the ways where, you know, knowing the financials and, and being involved is still really, you know, important for, for you and the executive team? Well, I think as an owner, you have to have a pulse on the financials, no matter what, uh, especially for a startup. I think it's easy to get uh, sort of complacent and to look out and see a lot of people coming through, uh, you know, to see top line revenue. But if you don't understand how that impacts your bottom line, then, you know, you're mm -hmm. maybe potentially not having a profitable business. So uh, mm -hmm. we're definitely very connected with uh, the financials to where we're reviewing those often and, and getting together. We, we have these very incredibly long budgeting sessions where, you know, we're digging in line by line and making projections and we're getting better at that based upon having more data to work with. Uh, it's nice to have a professional. So, you know, Joe Kessinger is our, our CFO and, you know, he's got a lot of experience and, and I'm fortunate to be partnered with, uh, you know, Leib Dodell who has tons of, business experience, you know, so I'm probably, you know, the, the youngest um, and least experienced when it comes to the financials, you know, of the team, but I'm learning a lot from them. And I, I'd say the biggest lesson is it, it's not that the financials are that difficult. It just requires really digging in and sitting down mm -hmm. and locking the doors and, and, and figuring out, all right, what aren't we thinking of and what are some details that we're missing? Uh, because inevitably there's something there that you, you probably overlooked when it comes to expense or how, you know, weather's going to impact your business. I mean, little variables that, that could make huge swings in your business. Yeah. It's do, really you, do you have, yeah. Do you have anything like off the top of your head where, you know, whether like financially, for example, where you made a financial decision in the business or a financial investment or something. And you were like, well, that didn't work like for equipment or for, for the dogs or something where it's like, we think this will work. And it just flopped. Do you have anything or anything like that? Yeah, I have a huge one. Um, and it, it was about two acres big. Uh, so when we designed this, uh, a big part of bar K is the sort of the story of like, uh, I don't know, reuse and, mm -hmm. you know, trying to be socially responsible and outdoors and all that type, type of stuff. And so we made a decision early on, in addition to solar panels and recycling and uh, using shipping containers, but we wanted to have a natural lawn um, and maintain that because we thought, well, this is really sort of having nature in our park to have a natural lawn. Well, so we put in this natural lawn, put in this sprinkler system. And if anybody's done a sprinkler system, imagine you're putting it in a two acre facility. Uh, so a lot of money. And October turned out to be, so we launched in August and October of 2018 was the second wettest October on record. <laughs> and then that winter was one of the wettest winters that we've had on record. Um, and it was one of the coldest winters. So our park uh, just got destroyed and, and any of the early members and people who would come to Bar K certainly know that there were days where it could be really muddy here. And our whole offering to people was that, hey, you've got one of the, you know, if not the cleanest dog park and most well kept. And after a rainy night or day, it wouldn't be that way. So 
we ended mm -hmm. up replacing it with uh, recycled turf. So we were able to kind of keep that reuse piece. Mm -hmm. uh, but that cost us a lot of money. And I wish we would have made that decision from the beginning. But again, some decisions, you, you just, it's hard to see. And, and we knew that that was a risk, but it was also one of those where we, we always wanted to be able to say that we tried with mm -hmm. grass. If somebody came back and said, oh, you know, you guys are going with this fake stuff. And we would be able to say, no, we, we tried. And unfortunately yeah. it didn't, didn't work out. It wasn't a great experience for people and their dogs. Totally. And, and now you can know that going to your next facilities of, Hey, we're going straight to the turf. I love it. Lessons learned. Oh, yes. that's so good. So good. So following up on, you know, just it, it, this advice for other small businesses or people with this big idea, big dream. What do you have, any advice, any business advice, financial advice, anything for people who are either a small business owner or have this idea for those aspirations of creating that, of, of going from, hey, you know, we have this problem that we think we can solve for people to this, this empire, you know, that you now have built? But probably be two things. One is just uh, persistence you know, and never stopping. Um, I think there's a quote from Calvin Coolidge, which says that nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Then he goes on and saying, you know, what, why they can't. Uh, and it's so true because there are solutions out there. You just have to keep at it and be persistent to find those solutions. So when it comes to financing your business, you know, there's a lot of different ways to, to do that. Uh, we had to be creative and do a combination, you know, Loan, bank loans and equity and raising money. Um, and, and we still are continuing to be creative when we're talking about you know, raising money for future locations and a, a rollout across, across the country. But there are usually solutions out there. You just have to be persistent to find those. And then the other thing I would say is it, when it comes to risk, not everybody's built the same. And a lot of people don't, don't have that sort of risk gene. Uh, both Labe and I have that risk gene, and, and we also felt incredibly confident in the future of, of this business and this model. But I would say that there's some type of ratio which connects your um, level of, of what you're willing to sacrifice for what you want to accomplish. And you don't always have to sacrifice that. I mean, it's not always required, but I think you have to look yourself in the mirror and say, am I willing to sacrifice everything to make this work. And if you're not, then I think you really need to question whether this is, is right for you. For us, it was, yes, we're willing to, to sacrifice everything to make this work. Um, and because we believe so much in, in this vision, um, that we wanted to create. And ultimately you know, that vision is a community. It's not a dog park. It's not a bar. It's not a restaurant. It's a community. Um, and I think that's what you'll see when you come to Bar K is it's really, those things are all elements of a community that we've built. Oh, that is so good. And it's true. You can see we, that's the place we go to with our friends. We've made friends there. We, it just, it's such, it's so much bigger than just a, a, a dog park or a bar. It, it, it truly is a community. So, um, oh, it's amazing. So last but not least, I want to wrap it up with what is one either personal or professional financial goal that you have? It, it can be in the next year. It can be the next 10 years, 20 years however long. Yeah, I think it, oh, that's, it's a tough one. <laughs> uh, I think that there's a perception that if you have a successful business that, you know, 
the owners and everybody are just rolling in money and you can go out and buy Ferraris and, and do all these, these things. And that's, that's not true. Uh, you know, if you are in an aggressive uh, mode for growth, then you're probably having to continue to double down and continuing to um, put that risk out there and sacrifice everything over and over and over again until you get where you want to go. And I think if I have a financial goal, it's that we reach a point where, you know, those sacrifices uh, pay off and mm-hmm. we're able to uh, grow this, you know, across the country. And we know that when we when we do that and we can get in 10 markets, uh, then there'll be a lot of financial freedom for us. And there'll also be a lot of opportunity and you know, opportunity creates work, but I think there'll be some opportunity for us to potentially do some bigger things uh, across the country and, and be involved in sort of some some movements that I think will, will help build the community throughout the country. So I know that's not oh. directly related to financial, but uh, it is. all these things uh, only happen if, if we're able to make this be successful from a profitability standpoint. Exactly. And Hey, it's that's a that's an answer that is deeper than money. But it really is. It is because it's it's not even about the you know the finances, the, the numeric number, but it's about what that money achieves, right? Like the freedom, the the community, the um you know the continuation of of Barkay across the country. So that is incredible, Dave. Thank you so much for joining us today yeah, on the Deeper Than Money podcast. It was so great to have you. We are so grateful for Barkay. It has been just one of the one of the biggest reasons why we love Kansas City. Our dogs, I can't believe they weren't barking in the background to also say thank yeah, you. Yeah, where were they? Figured they did. I know. I know. Shay took them down so they wouldn't be all loud halfway through, but oh my gosh, they're just they just adore you. So again, thank you so much for um, coming in on the Deeper the Money podcast. And everyone, thank you for tuning in. We will see you back next week.